There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 6th, 2013. For newcomers, as always, I suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because we're living through a managed system. It's one system across the world right now. A system that was designed over a hundred years ago by private international bankers who had a cabal together, basically. These, these guys lent to nations across the world. They even had created empires, and such as the British Empire, for instance. And they're all based at that time pretty well in the city of London and a couple of other countries. But they worked together to bring in a planned society, a planned global economy, an economy where they themselves would always be at the top of the tree because everything runs on their money, of course. And people can never figure out this money scam generation after generation. And they never get to the bottom of what's really going on. Your governments are all in it too because these bankers set up private foundations, like big clubs, you might say, under the guise of being uh, philanthropists. And these these philanthropists uh, and their foundations are backed by trillions of tax-free dollars, basically. They pay no taxes and all their incomes in these foundations because they're put down as charitable institutions. And these charitable institutions are the ones which hire and and set up thousands of non-governmental organizations across the world to lobby governments into changing laws and so on and getting global agreements through which affect us all. In other words, we're anything but democratic because everything's done uh, by private institutions, you might say. And I go through the history of it at CuttingThroughTheMedics.com and the foundations that set themselves up they sound very official. Some of them even sound like they're, they're part of the government, but they're not. They're private, such as the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, and many other ones too. And in fact, they have so many foundations now, it would take you days to go through them all across the whole world. But they're all connected together. Some are simply fronts to funnel money to other NGOs across the world. So we're run really by private organizations, and they themselves call themselves the parallel government. 100 years ago, as I say, they set up to bring in a planned economy, uh, a free trade system across the world, which would amalgamate uh, countries into whole continents, basically, such as the EU, uh, the Far Eastern Group, and of course the Americas as well. And we're doing this all today as we live, in fact. Now, this is their century of change, because a big planner says it might take 100 years to get so much of the preparations through. And here we are in the 21st century, the century of change, and they're actually doing it as we live. And they set up the IMF, the World Bank. They set up um, the, the, the Bank for International Settlements, which runs all the private central banks again. And at the end of it all, they said they would run the world, not through, not through politics so much, but through the power of their own money. Because governments are subservient to the big bankers, of course. So we're not living in a, in a system that you really think exists as such. So remember, to go into cuttingthroughmedias.com. There's well over a thousand audios for download, free download. You can also get 
uh, print-ups as well uh, of the transcripts in English and all the sites listed there. And you can also go into Alan Watts' sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. And remember, too, you can help me tick along here by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You can, uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal orders from the, the, the post office in the U.S. You can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Straight donations are seriously welcome because I don't bring on, and I certainly could bring on lots of advertisers as guests, all kinds, and sell you all kinds of things too, and get awfully wealthy that way too. But obviously it would compromise you as well as far as your integrity goes. So I try to do it this way, and I, uh, it costs a lot of cash to do what I do. And it's, it's more than a, a full-time job. It's, uh, it's, and it's, it's really, it's rather crazy in fact. It's seven days a week. It's morning till night most of the time. So if you want to keep me going, I uh, hope you buy the books and discs, which will explain a lot to you. The art of chronology. Chronology runs the world. And it's very, very old science, of course. Very, very old science. The ancients talked about it and how to rule the minds of millions of people, uh, peoples across the world. And right into the present time where neuroscientists work with governments along with the marketers, uh, public relations experts, which are propagandists, of course. And uh, you also have um, psychologists and, and behaviorists and so on and so on and so on. Whole banks of them work with think tanks, again owned by the foundations, which advise governments on what to do in every situation. And that's where we are today. Now, I've often made the analogy, too, that if you were forced by government to go to a certain garage to fix your car, to fix your steering or something, and every time you drove the car out, the steering all fell to pieces and the wheels fell off, you'd stop going to that garage, obviously. But if the government made you go back to it and back to it and back to it, there'd be a, a massive outcry until the folks stopped, simply stopped going, and the government would have to do something. Well, how come... The banking system, this private banking system of the private central banks, which are so secretive and so powerful, how come they can fleece uh, every nation twice a century, at least twice a century, on a big scale, many minor ones in between, but on a big scale, and plunder whole economies, and they will never change a darn thing. And they don't go to prison for it. And the government demands that you use those banks. They won't change it. It's rigged. It's a rigged system, folks. The reason it's rigged is because it was the big bankers who set up the system. You're living in their system. I'm not talking about your, your corner street bank. I'm talking about the guys who lend to nations. The guys who sent up, set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs comes from foreign relations in the first place. Before that, that they call themselves sort of secretive names like the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner. And the, the, of course, the one that came up by the Rhodes Foundation. Cecil Rhodes and Lord Rothschild put that together. They merged into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which still runs the world today. All the top media moguls are members of it. Every top corporation in the world is a member of it. All your news anchor people on the TV are members of it and radio and so on. So you're, you're getting basically uh, the party line, you might say, the party line of those who really rule over you. Your top presidents... And prime ministers across the world are picked by them too, before you hear their names even. And their own historian, Carl Quigley, wrote about it in his own book, because he was their historian. They have their own version of history, where they fill in all the little blank bits, you see. 
and they have archives of it. So he was archivist for a long time, and he was a professor which uh, advised governments too, and, and of course the foreign offices, etc., in the U.S. departments, and uh, in the State Department, taught diplomats, etc. He's a very, very uh, in-the-know guy. But he wrote about it too. He thought it was time the public should know. He didn't think there'd be a backlash about it. And, of course, um, he did get some uh, flack afterwards indeed because the society wasn't ready yet to let the public know that they'd been behind, as he said himself, every major war in the last hundred years as they go across the world standardizing the one system. And it's still going on today. Across the Middle East and various other countries, which don't have what we think of as democracy, something that's been drummed into us is, is our salvation. And of course, we don't have it either when you stop and think about it. But you're, you, you've been brainwashed to believe that you have it in some way or another, because you can simply vote a person in who never does what you want anyway. So the countries in the Middle East are being standardized into the same system with a central banking system installed, user installed. The IMF collects the debt, they have to borrow, the money they have to borrow. The IMF collects the debt. And this system runs the world today. As I say, it doesn't matter how many times they plunder you, and they're going to plunder you again, the governments will not uh, do anything about it because the governments are all in on the big act. They're all in that. As I say, if, if you kept going to the same garage and everything, every time you went there and drove off, everything fell off the cars, you stopped going there. But this banking system will never be touched. Never be touched, folks, because the capstone was set up by the big bankers themselves. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. And it is a, a monolithic system. It truly has been for an awful long time. And uh, you've got to understand too that, that, that there's nothing more secret than the big banking system itself. Everything that they do supposedly depends upon them uh, using secrecy to do with their takeovers and, and future plans and so on and so on. But to have governments tailing along supposedly is a natural consequence of all. Just hoping things go for the better once in a while is ridiculous, of course. It's completely ridiculous. And having them plunder the, uh, the, the world actually twice a century is also ridiculous. But it's meant to be that way because they run the system completely. Every government has its leader go cap in hand every year, many times a year actually now, and borrow money from the private banking sector. And of course that's why uh, the, the banking boys are always at the top. And it's the same too if you made some tools, for instance, uh, and uh, you wanted to make good wrenches and your wrenches were getting returned to your bent and broken and so on, you'd get a better steel in and you would find a better method of tempering them and eventually you'd have a good product that would, would, would stay out in the market to even get around, etc. But uh, if they kept breaking, you wouldn't. Well, why, do you, why, why does this system supposedly is called banking? They call it a science now, economics which is a complete farce, folks, because everybody in economics knows it's a farce. And they've even had programs in Britain years ago where guys had left, top economists had left the profession, supposedly, profession, and said the same thing. It was an absolute con job. It's Mickey Mouse because the whole system is rigged. It's a con job. It's rigged. 
Now, if the banking system's at the top of the tree and it's rigged, and everything below it belongs to the banking system, including the systems we live under, then everything is rigged. And that's exactly how it actually is. But getting back to the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, these are the guys who set up the system a long time ago. And it was the bankers who set them up. They run them, still do. They made sure that all media would be on board because, as I say, all the media moguls are all members of this organization. And there's an inner party and an outer party. The outer party are just the guys who uh, go on faith that the orders that come down, they'll part off their, their instructions to the, to the media or to the general public and do what they're told. The inner party, of course, runs in secrecy and they know the big agenda. But Carl Quigley did uh, write it in his book and he was a, he was a top uh, professor there who knew all the bigwigs, etc., and he was trusted enough to, to be the archivist to see the, the details of how these guys had started wars, even back in the 1800s when they were called a different name, and how they were, they were creating wars across the planet to take, to take over the resources of the world. And here we are in the 21st century, they must, they must fulfill all their plans, and we're, we're pretty well there. Private and public uh, contracts today are, are all over the world, where government is basically farming out uh, parts of what it's supposed to be there for. And uh, private corporations are supposed to rule the world, most of the, they actually do now, under the guise of the banks, because the banks understand the top banks actually own the big, the big corporations across the world. They own them. So anyway, getting back to that now, and we've seen that it's not nonsense to do with uh, bail-ins, as they call it, with Cyprus, etc. But now we see cities collapsing as well, especially in the U.S. Now, remember, too, the same boys uh, that gave you the World Trade Organization and so on, the same boys we're talking about here gave you the World Trade Organization, NAFTA, GATS, and everything else that helped to move all your factories to China. They knew the consequences. They knew that the work would be gone. They knew unemployment would rise. And they decided to give you a massive welfare state to keep you quiet in the meantime uh, and to stop riots. But, of course, things are getting worse and worse and worse. Now, it says that the, the Detroit bail-in template, uh, fleecing pensioners to save the banks. The Detroit bankruptcy is looking suspicious. It's like the bail-in template originated by the G20. Now, the G20, again, is, is, a, is a group basically comprised of the top leaders, supposedly, or your elected leaders. They just formed a private club for themselves, and without asking us about it, of course. And we take it all for granted. Yeah, they formed a club, and they make global decisions now. And, and every country now is financing other countries across the world, third world countries supposedly, where they can put big uh, corporations and get factories going there. It's, you think you're living in a democracy? I mean, wake up, folks. Eh? It's never been that way at all. Never. In your whole lifetime, in your parents' lifetime too, it wasn't. Anyway, it says the G20's Financial Stability Board in 2011. That's when they wrote out the, the template for the G, for, for bail-ins or stealing the depositors' money from banks, which exploded in the scene in Cyprus in 2013 and is now becoming the model globally because every country has signed it into law now. They're going to scalp everybody. And don't believe for a minute that it's going to be up to an insured level. They're going to go below, well, well below that level for all depositors. And it says in Cyprus, the depositors were bailed in, which was stripped of a major portion of the deposits to recapitalize the banks. In Detroit, it's the municipal workers who are being bailed in, which means stripped of a major portion of their pensions to save the banks. 
The Bank of America Corps and the UBS AG have been given priority over other bankruptcy claimants, meaning chiefly the pensioners for payments due on interest rate swaps they entered into with the city. Interest rate swaps, which is exchange of interest rate payments between counterparties, are sold by Wall Street banks as a form of insurance, something municipal governments should do to protect the loans from an unanticipated increase in rates. Unlike ordinary insurance, however, swaps are actually just bets. They bet on it. And if a municipality loses the bet, it can owe the house and owe the big the big deal, the whole lot. It says, the swap casino is almost entirely unregulated and it's a rigged game that the house virtually always wins, just like a casino. Interest rate swaps are based on the LIBOR rate, L-I-B-O-R, which has now been proven to be manipulated by the rate-setting banks and they were a major contributor to Detroit's bankruptcy. Derivatives claims are considered secured because the players must post collateral to play. And it truly is. I mean, the big boys run the whole show. It's a rigged game. They get not just priority, but super priority in bankruptcy, meaning they go first before all others, a deal pushed through again by Wall Street in the Bankruptcy Reform Act of 2005. Meanwhile, the municipal workers whose pensions are theoretically protected under the Michigan Constitution are classified as unsecured claimants, who will get the scraps after the secured creditors put in their claims. The banking casino, it seems, trumps even the state constitution. Well, that's, that's done it with the, na- the nation too, right? The bank wins and the, loser, the workers lose once again. It says systemically dangerous institutions are moved to the head of the line. The argument for the super priority of derivative claims is that non-payment on these bets represents a systemic risk to the financial scheme. Derivative bets are cross-collateralized and are also uh, inextricably entwined in a $600-plus trillion house of cards that the whole financial scheme could go down if the betting scheme were to collapse. Instead of banning or regulating this very risky casino, Congress has been persuaded by the masterminds of Wall Street that it needs to be preserved at all costs. The same tortured logic has been used to justify the fact that the federal government designed to bail out Wall Street but not Detroit. Supposedly, the mega banks pose a systemic risk, and Detroit doesn't. On July 29th, uh, former Obama administrator economist Jared Bernstein pursued this line of reasoning on his blog, saying this: "This is the correct motivation for federal bailouts, meaning some combination of managing a bankruptcy, paying off creditors, though often with a haircut, or providing liquidity in cases where that's the issue, as opposed to insolvency, is called systemic risk." The failure of large major banks, two out of the big uh, three auto companies, the secondary market for housing, all of these pose unacceptably large risk to global financial markets and thus the global economy to a major industry, including the upstream and downstream suppliers, not to the national housing sector. Because there's not much of a case that Detroit is systemically connected in those ways and B's chapter 9 of the bankruptcy code appears to provide an adequate way for it to deal with its insolvency. I don't think anything like a large-scale bailout is forthcoming. So, it says Detroit's bankruptcy poses no systemic risk to Wall Street and global financial markets, which is fine, but does pose a systemic risk to Main Street, local governments, and the contractual rights of pensioners. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about Detroit and what's happening there because they're using this as a template to, for future other cities too, and bankruptcies as well. There's no doubt about that. It's establishing a, a template for wiping out government pensions everywhere. Chicago or New York could be next. But also it's happening across Britain and parts of Europe as well, because this is global. Whatever happens today is global, you understand. The bankers themselves are globalists, and they have, uh, they have out, uh, outlets across the whole planet, etc., etc. So they're all in it together, uh, the ones that finance governments, even local governments too. And then you go on to this article too. Uh, and I'll put all these articles up, up tonight at cuttingthroughmeets.com, remember, after the broadcast. But this one's too to do with Detroit. It says, because uh, the sharks are already gathering because they smell cash, you know. And sharks, believe you me, it's like Rothschilds when they were asked about when's the best time to make money. And it said when blood is flowing in the streets. I mean, literally, uh, you can charge whatever you want for a bandage. Uh, and, and that's what you do. But anyway, Christie's is to appraise Detroit Museum collection amid the bankruptcy, it says. Uh, International Auction House Christie's said Monday it will appraise a portion of the Detroit Institute of Arts collection, which includes hundreds of works by Van Gogh, uh, Bruegel, The Elder, uh, Renoir and other masters. The move comes as a federal judge considers a state-appointed emergency manager's request to push the city into the largest municipal bankruptcy in U.S. history. And Christie's will also assist and advise on valuing the artwork while leaving the pieces in the city's ownership, the New York-based firm said Monday on its website. Uh, Christie's were passionate about art, etc., etc. They're also passionate about uh, uh, getting the highest bidder. And believe you me, it's an in-house game, that too. They all know who the bidders are going to be. And it says the DIA, considered one of the top art museums in the country, is home to hundreds of paintings and sculptures by famed artists. The city purchased many of the pieces in the collection years ago during more prosperous times. I wonder if anybody can actually remember that when it was prosperous, because it certainly was at one time. But again, as I say, the boys who brought you free trades and shipped all your factories abroad, uh, and, and you paid the cost of them transporting them all abroad, by the way, and you paid also for any losses they incurred under the GATT agreements uh, and the World Trade Organization. You paid for the losses that they say that they would incur uh, while setting up in China. This, is all, this all came out at the time, by the way, and they never make a move, the big boys, without looking at all the consequences. So there's nothing ever happened that they didn't plan and, and uh, work to, not to prevent, but to, to make sure that the public kind of sailed through it without realizing too much what was going on. That's why they bombarded people in the 70s and 80s and 90s, with, especially in the 80s and 90s, with lots of credit cards. Everyone was trying to throw credit cards at you. If it wasn't for that, there'd been rebellions in the country because everyone's losing their jobs, instead of just uh, uh, using so many credit cards to pay their rents and their mortgages and all the rest of it. And look, that's really why they did it, folks. So that's how it really works. Now, again, too, the, the war on terror is a bogus war, as we know. Uh, the, the, going through into a world society, uh, a world society where they're bringing down the first world countries as they take the cash from the first world countries to fund the third world countries where they're setting up the top corporate uh, factories and so on, um, then this, it's going to get bad and worse and worse and worse. And eventually all your spare change that you would have to spend on whatever you wanted at one time will go to uh, essentials only. That's what austerity means. That's the whole plan for austerity. 
So for food, water, uh, utilities, etc., you'll be paying an awful lot more for a lot less in return. And that's the plan. That is the plan, again, it goes back to the 1970s at least, when the big think tanks that worked for the Royal Institute for International Affairs uh, actually worked on these big global agendas. And the war on terror is to keep everything in place until they're, they're ready, because they know there will be uprisings eventually. People only get, get up in arms when, when, when there's starvation. That's the only time it happens, folks, in history. That, that's when it happens. And, of course, the big boys at the top are constantly doing war games of one kind or another, looking for future things which can overthrow governments and systems. And, of course, the public are always the first suspects. So always look at the general public. How do we keep them in order if we're going, through, going to go into a Great Depression worse than the last one? And so they brought in terror, the war on terror. And I've read from the military magazines. I've read the one perpetual war, it's called. And uh, that's what we're in today. It's called perpetual war. Generations have to go through this war on terror as they keep expanding the whole field of surveilling every single person on, on, in the country and, and across the world. This is what it's about for the planned global society. And in totalitarian regimes, the elite can only rest when everyone, every citizen is utterly predictable. And that's why they do personality profiles on every single person, updated daily by all the data that you put out there. And they have virtual use in the Pentagon. I've read from their own website when they talked about uh, uh, this uh, computerized system in the Pentagon, where they put every citizen in North America and into it, and some in Europe too, by the way. And they do a personality profile, and they run tests on it for different situations. How would this person react in this or that situation? And they say it's very, very accurate. They've got us all uh, pinpointed, etc., pretty well accurately. So the, the, the war on terror is nonsense, as you get trained and trained and trained to obey. Now understand this new system we're in today. Uh, meaning that democracy was only to last for a certain amount of time. And even then, it was a fake democracy that we had. It was never there. You have to go into the writings even of Winston Churchill and others in the early days when he was young, who talked about democracy, this coming democracy. He, 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 they all poo-pooed it at the top. Because the only right you have in democracy is to vote someone in. So they always supply who, who's going to get in, left wing or right wing, all belongs to the same institutions, you see, at the top. The bottom ones don't matter. The ones at the top matter. So we're going through a war on perpetual terror. And everything will eventually be labeled terror, of course. But it says the NSA chief admits we're only foiled, we've only foiled one terror plot in the whole time that we've been working on all this stuff since terrorism. And even that one is bogus, it says. So we're told there's austerity. We're told there's sequestration. We're told we must stump up more tax dollars to support the military-industrial complex, but there seems to be an endless flow of cash for the Stasi USA. With a budget in the billions, and after collecting every one of our phone calls, texts, emails, and social network communications, NSA chiefs have been forced to admit under oath that the surveillance machine thwarted only one plot, and there is even skepticism surrounding that one plot. They're still claiming to claims that the NSA had heroically managed to prevent a terrorist attack on the New York Stock Exchange after intercepting an email from Pakistan in 2009. This sounds like an inflated claim or a lie. One could say the NSA has stopped nothing, yet they've stopped at, at nothing to big brother the public to death. 
There was, this was even too big a lie for even Eric Holder, so he sent his sidekick to insult the American people. Deputy Attorney General James Cole adds, with these programs and other intelligence activities, we're constantly seeking to achieve the right balance between the protection of national security and the protection of privacy and civil liberties. We believe these two programs have achieved the right balance. This guy needs his eyes tested because the scales are weighed down in one direction, obviously. But, I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And also on this one o'clock tonight, it says newly declassified documents on phone records program are released. And it goes through all the stuff that we already know. And if you, mind you, a lot of people don't care. A lot of people uh, won't believe it. Uh, everyone who thinks they're a good citizen, what, what, what does it mean to be a good citizen? If, do you ever think about what you think you are? Remember, I've, I've told you before, the person who's perfectly programmed and indoctrinated doesn't know they are. And they wants to break up and crack up totally if the government ever goes after them for anything. Because they've tried, they've tried to be good. Now, being good means that you obey every rule that comes down the pike, no matter how ridiculous it happens to be. Like going through the airport, holding up your pants and your stockings, you know, and doing your tro- bending over when you're told. That's been a good citizen. This is what all the attorneys do, folks. This is what they all do. And you've been trained now that the new system that you're in is going from gradually from the idea of democracy to authoritarianism. That's the point of it all. Simply obey, and that's being a good citizen. Blind obedience. So I'll put this up tonight too at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And I'm not kidding about that because the big think tanks themselves have talked and put many documents out there on the coming system for globalization. It would have to be run in an authoritative manner. Even the Club of Rome, which is a think tank for the United Nations, and the UN was set up, and their think tanks, including the Club of Rome by the Royal Institute for National Affairs, uh, they said um, years ago, back in the 70s, the new system coming in would have to be run on, a, on an authoritarian basis. That democracy was too cumbersome to get the big agendas through. Because public had an imp- input and they'd complain and demonstrate and so on. So they'd gradually retrain the public to simply obey. And the best way to do it, obviously, is through something like, oh, we're all under siege from outsiders. Terrorism, you see. That's the reason for it, folks. Now, I've mentioned Scotland before. Every country has a little, a little uh, trial basis going on in some way or another for something coming in for the whole planet to, to copy. But they use a, a test base. I'll mention one in Scotland that's to go worldwide shortly called Gerfec and what happens back after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system. That's all you can talk about, because there's only one system. And they've got China on board with it too. We set up China, the West set up China, the bankers set up China. And the free trade deals too, of course, because we were training their engineers before they had factories to work in in China. The West was training thousands and thousands of Chinese students all the time. And eventually we gave them the factories too, and now all... All stuff is coming from China. That was a plan that way by the people who already ruled our countries in the West. I'm not talking about the politicians. 
And they're bringing in a system now, true, in the West to do the Bertrand Russell talked about. He's a big globalist as well. He worked with the United Nations and various other think tanks, which were global think tanks, to create new cultures for the West. And they were very successful. We're still going through the plan changes. They knew that they'd do it incrementally, uh, generation by generation, and step it up every every five to ten years, actually. Go further, go further, go further. Go radical, in other words. Radical means to destroy all that was before. And if you want to become a non-governmental organization and get government funding, it says it right on the application form. It's for radical change. You must be for radical change. The radical changes are all the Marxist concepts because the same bankers ran Marxism too uh, and communism in Soviet Union and elsewhere. If you're a big business, you plan centuries ahead, folks. And the biggest business are the top bankers on the planet. They've run it for centuries. Now, back to what Bertrand Russell said. He talked about eventually having to train the children through social indoctrination at school. And a scientific indoctrination would be very, very effective. He tried his own private school. He was given authority to do it in Britain at a time where, where guys who were pushing that would have been hung otherwise by the general population. But he was even trying to push them into pre-pubertal sex so that when they grew up, they grew up, they'd, they'd, they'd never marry. They'd be very promiscuous, but they'd never marry because that was the coming system that they're going to push down the road when they, they trained the public that the time was right. And at the time they gave the private schools was back in the 1920s and 1930s. He was doing this and given a royal charter to do it, meaning a, a special charter to give him permission to do all this stuff. But he says with social indoctrination and scientific indoctrination in school, and we get the children young enough, we can indoctrinate them so they will not copy the parents' uh, contaminated culture and moralities. The same terminology that the communists use, by the way from Lord Betton Russell. So, in Scotland right now, they're trying out GERFEC, which is a, a system where every child born gets a, a state-appointed uh, uh, sort of um, a snooper, basically, that comes into the home and checks on the child and manages the parents, too, and can get the child removed at any time. Uh, so this is to go worldwide, eventually. To make sure every child, this all came from the United Nations as well, by the way, and, um, and they're going to use it across the world. But in Scotland, they're calling it Gerfec, they've got another name for it in England. This is how they do things. The same laws are passed, the same things are brought out and are different names so people don't connect them. Everything that's been happening my whole lifetime has actually been global, by the way, when it comes to big laws. Across the whole world at the same time. But state snoopers tried to separate a devoted mum from her child. Scott's mum feared her newborn son was going to be taken away after interfering state guardians. That's what they call them. State guardians tried to present her as an unfit parent. Because I say every child now is, is given a, a social worker or a teacher or someone in authority other than the parents to, to be the, the person who is going to be their, the, the top uh, boss, basically. And it says, Carly Hutton's distressing ordeal is the first example of how the controversial plans to introduce the named person, this is the guardian, the state-appointed guardian, with legal rights and responsibilities for every child, a Scottish child, could have disturbing consequences. The mother of two, who also has six-year-old daughter, Kia, believes she was unfairly targeted by authorities because of bizarre comments made by officials ordered to snoop on her family. 
during a risk assessment process, Ms. Hunton, 25 years old, told doctors that she, like hundreds of thousands of other people, periodically suffers from depression and anxiety issues. Despite being praised for her parenting skills by midwives and health visitors, she was banned from attending her local hospital, Perth Royal Infirmary, and told she could only give birth at Dundee Nine Wells, as it had mental health facilities. She wasn't uh, mentally ill. To make matters worse, she was then told that she would be forbidden from leaving hospital with her newborn son, Duncan, who's now 16 months, until she had a meeting with her support worker, a social worker, and a health visitor. But when Mrs. Hunton Hunton said she was going to discharge herself, she was told by Jobsworth staff that she would have to leave Duncan with the nurses. She insists her condition does not affect her parenting skills and believes she was treated unreasonably because of false reports provided by her named person, the government-appointed person. This is for every child in Scotland, remember. She said it was completely over the top. I thought I was going to have my son taken away from me as soon as I gave birth, couldn't sleep, etc., it was completely over the top. I thought I was going to have lose a son. After her upsetting experience, she requested to see a 120-page dossier which contained notes made by named persons, these appointed state peer people. To her amazement, it detailed a casual conversation she had with Kea's nursery teacher about the way her daughter had woken up that morning. Instead of going to enter her mum's room and jumping on top of her, Kea had gone to the kitchen and started banging pots together. The nursery teacher then created a sinister database entry which read, Mother failed to wake up with the child. Child playing unattended in the kitchen. You understand how simple this is to do? To to have you blacklisted as a nasty, nasty person? All by the... Actually, it's the same terminology they use when trying to convince you of things through politics. Because it all goes through public relations, propaganda specialists. People who who are specialists in psycho or neurolinguistics. Same thing. Another bizarre incident and potentially damaging report, Miss Hunton's support worker wrote, Kayla was waving off an overnight visitor as I left. Now, naturally, sure it was a guy living there. Mrs. Hunton's guest was, in fact, a female friend who'd stayed at her house after splitting up with her partner, which is happening all over the world right now, as we all know. She fumed, does that not sound like I've just had a sort of one-night stand? Why does that need to be written down? You understand, this is total intrusion into the home's of every person in that country has got children by the state. And believe you me, once it gets underway, there'll be no fighting the system whatsoever. It's a totalitarian form of overseeing everyone in the country, not just the child, but the parents too. It's called Gerfek. I'll put articles up about Gerfek again. I've done it in the past. I've got lots of them in cutting 3 com's archive section. If you go in there too But um, it's to be rolled out across the whole world eventually And they're using Scotland as a test bed right now Quite something else, isn't it? But that's the system we live in Also, tonight I was going to mention that um, NASA Now, NASA came out years ago with its idea of global dimming Once it started spraying chemtrails in 1998 Not contrails, but chemtrails uh, NASA came out eventually and said the world is getting darker every year with global dimming because so little more, less sunlight was hitting the earth with all the spring it was going on. This is geoengineering, folks, and many other things involved in it too, of course, there's many effects. But now NASA's come out with, and they brought a movie out, a big documentary from NASA to try to tell the children this was normal. 
All the, all the grid patterns that suddenly appeared in the skies in 98 to the present is all normal. And it's just condensation trails. Now, everyone who, who's gone up before that knew what condensation trails looked like, and they disappear, generally about a hand's breadth behind the tail of the plane. You just stick your hand up there, and you'll see it disappearing in about that, that span. Uh, these ones today don't, because they're chemtrails, and it's global dimming, and it's geoengineering. So here it's an article here, to contrail watching for children, for kids, it says, put out by NASA again. And it says, in the purpose, contrails are long clouds made by high-flying aircraft because kids are so good at watching clouds, they can be easily taught to identify contrails. So you get them young, you teach them what you want them to believe for the rest of their lives, and they'll never, ever question it. Never question it. That's how simple it is. It says, uh, it's got age ranges for the children too, 6 to 10 years old. Time required, young children can observe and report on contrails in only a few minutes a day. Because children are natural sky watchers are curious about uh, both clouds and contrails. It's likely that when contrails are present, young children will notice and pay more attention to them than adults. And here's some basic facts that will interest them. So then goes on to explain the usual stuff. Ice crystals from high-flying aircraft. Even when you get two or three of them together at the same height, it's amazing that one of them can spread out the chemtrails, the rest of them there's nothing coming out of the back at all. That's quite, that's quite something, isn't it? But that's how we're trained, folks. It's called indoctrination. And when you don't suspect there's a war on you, you'll never figure it out. There's a, a complete war on everything that, that you, you think you know, including who you are. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, may your God or your God school with you. <laughs>